Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, it is... Monday afternoon, but you're listening on Tuesday. I'm feeling good today. All right, we got Scott Fishbowl drafts going on. I'm in round two. Everybody else is in like round four or five. Uh, I just got an A plus on a real draft that we did that we're playing out. I got an A plus. They loved my Saquon Barkley pick, which was actually auto pick for me, second overall. So things are looking up. I got poker coming up pretty soon uh, on Tuesday night. You got to tune in for that. And we get to talk about more projections in the AFC North and the NFC North. And I think some very, very interesting teams like the Vikings, how much are they going to throw? I think Adam Thielen's project- projection for targets really caught my eye. Uh, what's the backfield split going to look like in Cleveland, in Green Bay? So, uh, good stuff today. What's up, Ben and Heath? How we got? How we doing over there, guys? It pains me to say this. But I thought you had a good draft in that magazine draft where you got the A+. Usually, I think the grades are a little a little wonky, but I thought you had a good draft. Yeah, I thought it was really weird because you were taking a lot of players that Ben likes. <laughs> and there's usually, like, there are definitely times where I draft players that Ben usually drafts. And oftentimes, Chris Towers drafts players that Ben usually drafts. If you but, were to take an A.J. Brown in the fourth round, I would have oh, I was to going to. I couldn't believe he, he almost made it to 40. He went like 46th. I couldn't believe I it. And ben, and ben had the first pick. I had the second pick. So we'll, we will be comparing our teams. Um, I'm really struggling. I'm struggling with, uh, with the 4-5 turn. You know, a lot of good players there. Met it was McLaurin, Metcalf, DJ Chark, Mark Andrews. Uh, who was the player you took in addition to Chark, Ben? Uh, I took Met. I took Jonathan McLaurin, Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Oh, okay. I I took McLaurin, and then you took um, Jonathan Taylor and Chark, and then I was th- Metcalf or Andrews, Metcalf or Andrews, and I took Andrews. But I think we definitely have to do a podcast about like rounds four and five. They just Really Andrews tough was a great pick there. I had taken Kittle at the two three turn. I was kind of surprised he made it all the way back. Heath was at the other end of the draft at twelve, so I can say these things and and not offend Heath because he didn't let them any of these picks slip necessarily. And that sucks. <laughs> I hate picking twelve. Sucks really bad. I do not want the twelfth pick in any more drafts, please. Really? Okay. And, and you know what? Keeping it keeping it on the subject, I had to decide between Juju Smith Schuster and George Kittle. And I went with Juju, and I see your projections for him, guys, and you've got him for 135 targets for Heath, 143 targets for Ben. And I'm thinking, like, last year, you might have projected him to have, like, 170, 180 targets. So what is different? Don't answer now. We will get into that when we talk about the Steelers in a little bit. Uh, All right, so just quick news items. Josina Anderson tweeting that David Njoku remains right now a big part of the Browns' plans on offense but that he wants out and the Bears are monitoring. And Patrick Mahomes... The Bears? Didn't she say that? Did I do this again? Did I the say Bears, that? Like, it might be, but they have 11 tight ends already, I think. Yeah, what? Okay, uh, I have to see if I screwed this up again because I can't keep doing this. They drafted the earliest tight end of the draft this offseason and they signed J- Jimmy Graham to an absurd... Uh, and they still had Adam Shaheen on the team. Please, please, please tell me. I okay, she followed yes, up Bears and said, monitoring. Bears monitoring <laughs> means it warrants watching, not a Chicago reference. The Bears are not monitoring. It bears monitoring. Oh, wow. She, that's very, okay. That's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least she had a follow-up because a lot of you people... You had to clarify, so you're not the only one. Okay, Bears monitoring. Um. Patrick Mahomes signed a 10-year extension. It's going to be about $400 million or something like and that. Good important clarification, that starts after 
his current contract expires in two years. So he will be on the Chiefs for 12 more years. Mm, very good. Unless they just get sick of him. And boy, that's going to be such an albatross, 40 million a year. Uh, poker night. <laughs> poker night, uh, Tuesday night. Join us tonight on uh, Twitch, twitch.com slash FF today. You can subscribe. We're going to be doing a draft with our subscribers at some point, but Poker Night's hosted by our friends at Faded Spade. Faded Spade Card Club is a new social poker platform offering free play and custom games. Go to twitch.com slash FF today and watch us play a little poker and ask fantasy just, questions. I got, I got to jump in with the contract comment because anyone on my timeline that, that I know knows about the salary cap has said, unless there's specific language for the first time ever that ties future years to percentage of cap, this contract is going to be a massive uh, loss for Mahomes because of how long it is and a massive win for the Chiefs, which is pretty much true of any long contract in uh, the NFL because of how high the salary cap rises. We've seen quarterback salaries explode over the last decade, and they will over the next decade. He could wind up not being anywhere near the highest paid quarterback towards the end of that contract, if it's not tied to the salary cap escalating. So the idea that it would be an albatross. I was joking. I was was trolling. Um, I had something (laughs) to jump in with as well. Someone tweeted today in reference to this, a fact that I had forgotten that Cliff Kingsbury had Patrick Mahomes in college and had a losing record that year. And (laughs) now he's got an NFL job, which is pretty amazing. Uh, I just want to share our Apple podcast review of the day. Please feel free to leave an Apple podcast review. But uh, finally, there was a a take on this show that I did not give that got us some backlash. It was a one-star review. It said, I was on the fence about one or five stars. The fact that they don't have any taste and badmouthed Spider-Man proves they don't deserve your listens. I'm boycotting all advertisers for this pod. Poor excuse for a podcast. Well, it wasn't me who said I don't like Spider-Man. I don't remember saying that. Oh, it was me for sure. Yeah, it was you. <laughs> and what I will, I want to clarify because I said that having not really seen the Spider-Man movies, I'd only seen him in the Avengers movies, and he's insufferable. Um, but I did actually watch one of them, Far From Home. I be- no, not Far From Home. Coming, Homecoming, Homecoming, Spider-Man, Homecoming. And it was only like my second or third least favorite <laughs> movie out of the twenty I've watched so far. So, okay. yeah, he's pretty awful. Well, thanks for the one-star review. Actually, we'd appreciate five-star reviews, so yeah. let's do it. Let's start with the Baltimore Ravens here uh, as we get into our projections. Win total, 11.5. Under. Uh, God, it's so hard to go over that, but I'm saying over. Okay, the number to know is the number one. The last quarterback to repeat as the number one quarterback in fantasy is Drew Brees, 2011 and 2012. In 2013, I believe Brees was number two, by the way. But here's your ADP review. Lamar Jackson is going 16th overall. Not in Superflex, obviously. Just 16th overall, QB1. Mark Ingram, round five, between DeAndre Swift and Kareem Hunt. J.K. Dobbins, round six. Only two picks after Mark Ingram. Marquise Brown, round six, between Stefan Diggs and A.J. Green. And Mark Andrews is a round five pick, but he's the third tight end off the board. This is NFC average draft position. He's going six picks before Zach Ertz. So you have to you get Lamar Jackson, and then in round f- rounds five and six, you have a lot of Ravens. Ingram, Dobbins, Marquise Brown, and, and Mark Andrews. Okay, um, I think the, that the... Let's start with Lamar Jackson. QB two for Heath, QB one for Ben. Now, Ben, I believe you were using four point per passing touchdown leagues and Heath was using six. Right? Um, that could be true. I think that's what we determined with. Uh, I, I know what I'm using. I cannot speculate. I have both. And okay. so I don't know how it was sorted. Yes, this score is four point. But I will say he's a 16 point lead in this scoring um, in my projections over Mahomes. And Mahomes is a one-point lead over him in six-point for TD. So I was surprised by that. That said, are you actually taking Lamar Jackson over Patrick Mahomes? I'm not, but I'm way more open to it now. I I mean, I I feel a lot more comfortable with Mahomes' particular um, type of production and and the, the sustainability of it. Jackson's... I also think is sustainable, hence why I said that they will go over. But I do think there's more of a risk that his production could come kind of cratering down, um, not like way, way down, but to the to the point. If, if, 
it's a, a different type of offense. And if there's a, a defensive adjustment in a way that really limits their efficiency, Lamar Jackson could be like QB five. I don't see how Patrick Mahomes is QB five. And so this is what I wanted to point out in the projection for Lamar Jackson. He's been based on his starts in 2018 and 2019, close to a 1300 yard rusher per 16 games. He's got him for 805 rushing yards. Ben for 1,052. 805 rushing yards, Heath. What? It seems low. Yeah. Um, But I think it is the highest number I've ever projected of rushing yards for a quarterback, if that makes you feel any better. Um, I, I have his rush attempts down at 134 and his pass attempts up to 464. So I do think there will be a shift in um, their run pass splits. It's still going to be maybe the most run heavy team in the NFL. Um, I also dropped him from, I believe, 7.9 yards per carry last year down to six yards per carry, which is pretty much the highest I will project for any quarterback and higher than he had as a rookie. So I, I, I don't, I don't think that the the yards per carry is egregious by any stretch. Maybe I'm a little bit, too, maybe I'm a carry per game too low. I don't know what, what do you have him for total rush attempts, Ben? Yeah, that's going to be it. Cause I have him at 5.9 yards per carry. I'm right with you on that. I have him for 178 rushes, which is, I believe a little bit of a dip from last year. It is it? It's maybe close it's to last year. What did he have last year? He had 176. In, okay, 15, so in 15 like games. Same in 15 games, though. Oh, right. That's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Per game rate is a little bit lower. Heath, you have him at 134, so uh, explain yourself. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't think, it, like, nobody does that. And I do think there will be some adjustments from the league and some improvement from his uh, him as a passer. And they've talked, like Lamar Jackson's talked about how he knows he can't run the ball 12 times per game for the rest of his career. He's got to start moving in the other direction. So I just, I, maybe it should be 150, but I, I wouldn't, I can't see getting him over 150 in a projection. Yeah. So in 2018, when in his starts, Lamar Jackson actually carried 17 times per game. And in 2019, what it was closer to 11 or 12. I think it was 12. Okay. Um, I think I've got him at maybe eight right now, which I, I don't believe I have any other quarterbacks for more than 100. Well, yeah, but you can't compare him to any other quarterbacks. He just broke well, the all-time rushing. <laughs> yeah, but he broke the all-time quarterback rushing record by 200 yards. Do we want? Do we want him to throw more? If I, if you own Lamar Jackson, I mean, do you want more passing from him or more rushing? In Dynasty, please. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Look, I. I mean, I, if you could guarantee me health, I'd probably just want more rushing. But obviously, you get a little nervous when a guy runs 175 times. Uh, okay, so other other items, but you, but you, obviously you both love him uh, as a quarterback and willing to take him in round three, four, four, three or four. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm just so anti early quarterbacks, but I can I he, him and Mahomes are an exception. J.K. Dobbins, 156 carries for Heath, 123 for Ben. Um, I can't remember. Sorry, Gus Edwards last year. Is that more than what Gus Edwards had? I don't what do you have about 130 or something? Let's look that up. But but anyway, talk about talk about the running backs and Mark Ingram, who you guys don't even have as a top twenty four running back, and he was a top ten guy last year. And Gus Edwards had 133 carries last year. Well, we've we've talked about the Ingram thing a lot. Like the touchdown regression will be real. Um J.K. Dobbins is better than Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, I believe. And there's more of a risk of him taking more work away from Ingram towards the end of the year. And Ingram's 31 years old or will be 31 years old. So there's a lot more risk that he's just another step slower. Ben, is there anything else you want to talk about with Baltimore? What do we need to know here? Um, Marquise Brown could be sweet, but it is hard to project him very high. Uh, I like him a lot as a player, but he came out pretty low in my projections compared to where I have him ranked. Um, Mark Andrews were both very high on. Yeah, well, no, let's think, stay, let's stay on Marquise Brown because I do think 
the projection for both of you is 105-ish targets, 870-ish yards, and about seven touchdowns. Wide receiver 35, wide receiver 36. Uh, I'd love. To, I mean, I'd, I'd love to him for him to to get more targets and. You know, I just think he's got so much potential in the draft that we were just referencing that we just did. Ben, you took him, and I was going to take him with the next pick, but you took him. What was that? Must have been like round uh, seven, eight, right? That or something like that, yeah, six, seven, whatever it was. The turn. So, okay, so the projections, like I said, less than nine hundred yards, seven touchdowns. Certainly a good year, but not a top thirty wide receiver for Marquise Brown. And I just wonder, you know, does he have the potential? Do you still feel like he has the potential to be like a top 15 guy this year? Yes. I think for him to be a top 15 guy, one of two things has to happen. Um, I mean, you could have a crazy outlier efficiency season or something, but yeah, that's that, my answer. Um, but that, that's not something I, I don't want to ever draft anybody hoping they could do that um, personally, but Mark Andrews could get hurt or Lamar, Lamar Jackson could run like, seven times a game <laughs> okay All right. i think uh, we, we saw such good efficiency last year and i and i think for jackson and and i left that it looks like more of his efficiency uh in his projection than Heath did because i haven't thrown for more yards on fewer attempts and i haven't thrown for more touchdowns than Heath. um and i think some of that has to do with how it plays off the run game and i think there is the, like i i agree with Heath. you don't want to suspect like you know to draft somebody expecting this phenomenal efficiency season, but I do think with Brown, there's reason to believe it could happen. Well, I think that's a good thing to look at with Jackson, just like in reference to Brown. Um, if he has a 7% touchdown rate like his career, then sure, Marquise Brown could be a top 15 wide receiver. It's just that he would then, that would be two years in a row with a, a touchdown rate that nobody does. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've probably got him right around five and a half percent touchdown rate and right around seven and a half yards per attempt, which is good, but not near as outlandish as what last year was. Okay. Final thing on the Ravens, just true or false. The targets are going to be very concentrated between Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. Those guys are going to get really the, the bulk of it. And they're the only significant target getters. Believe that? True. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. do. Good. Let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, over under, nine wins. Under. Uh, over. All right. We got Ben Roethlisberger, QB 16, between Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff. James Conner is a round three running back going in between Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, right toward the end of round three for James Conner, maybe round four. Uh, Juju's, Juju's round four. He's wide receiver 14. And um, I took him 23rd in a PPR league just an hour or two ago. And I and I and if I didn't take him there, he might have gone 24th to Ben. I don't know. Ben, you tell me. Yeah, I told you. So my cute. Right. right. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, Deontay Johnson, round seven between Jarvis Landry and Will Fuller. Deontay Johnson's wide receiver, 34. James Washington, wide receiver, 73. Eric Ebron, 22nd tight end off the board. Uh, all right. So that was, oh, the number to know. Is 179. Heath, what is 179? 179 is <laughs> the Deontay difference. Johnson's weight. The, the difference between pass attempts for the Steelers in 2019 and 2018. They threw 179 more times in 2018 than they did in 2019. Okay. Uh, That's a lot. Yeah, that That's is a lot, lot of passes. That is. Yeah. So why only 100 and. 45-ish targets or whatever for Juju. 135 for Heath, 143 for Ben. Come on, give me 170. Let's let's forget last year happened and just think what we thought a year ago this time. Well, we both have him coming out as wide receiver 10, and part of it is it, it's not easy to project 170. So last year when we were projecting that, I know I had him as the, the potentially the league leader in, in targets. Um you know, that was saying something. It was saying that, like, they had no one else, and I believed in Juju's talent a ton. Deontay Johnson has stepped up. They've drafted Chase Claypool. They've brought in Eric Ebron. There's enough other mouths to feed that at 143 targets, um, he actually comes out as my one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh highest targeted receiver in the league, and four of those seven are within six of him. They're just right above him. There's only three that are, like, well out of his range. Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, and Julio. 
Okay. In my projections. And you guys have Ben Roethlisberger throwing for almost 4,600 yards, which would be no shock at all to Ben Roethlisberger. He's, he does that per 16 games. You know, he, that's what he does. But that's always been with Antonio Brown. And if Dave were here, he'd say, well, look what he did before Antonio Brown. It wasn't like that. So there's a, that's a lot of faith in Ben Roethlisberger. How does he throw for f- almost 4,600 yards, which would be among the league leaders, and only finish in your projections as QB 17, QB 16? Well, he's not going to do hardly anything with his legs, and he's probably going to have a pretty decent interception total, pulling some of that down as well. Okay, but like, I think the big difference between pre Antonio Brown and what I'm expecting, and Heath's projections seem to expect it too, is we're both projecting him for over 600 pass attempts. And you just said that their pass attempts dropped almost 200. They threw 675 times to lead the league in 2018. We both have them for just over 600. Early in, in Roethlisberger's career, it looks like in his first maybe eight or nine season he seasons, he topped out at like 513. He was a, a low-volume passer. And I feel really uncomfortable with my total number of pass attempts for them. I don't know what direction to go with it. Yeah, it's hard. Right, that's, that's the fun part because their defense is great. They've had good defenses before, and they've still thrown the ball. Like, I could... I could uh, um, okay, so if you look at like... Uh, Two years ago, they led the league in passing. They were 17th in scoring defense. But three years ago, the Steelers had the seventh best scoring defense, and they were actually sixth in pass pass attempts. Uh, the year before that, they were ninth in pass attempts with the tenth uh, tenth best scoring defense. So I think they've shown that even when they have good defenses, they're still willing to throw the ball. And uh, another thing that I wanted to point out in your projections: you don't have 50 catches for James Conner. And that has been a layup for Steelers running backs with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, Obviously, Le'Veon Bell shattered that. James Conner in 2018 was on pace for 68 catches. And even last year, he was on pace for 54 catches, and that was with him leaving a couple games early with injury. So talk about that, why you don't have, even though you have Conner as a top 20 running back, you don't have a huge passing game role for him. 34 catches for Heath and 41 for Ben. I have a few targets shifting toward tight ends with Eric Gibron coming in and Vance McDonald. Uh, but I have Jalen Samuels uh, being involved in the passing game. And then I have Anthony McFarlane also their rookie being involved a little bit in the passing game. And I have the combination of Samuels and McFarlane having about the same number of catches as Connor. And so, yeah, if he's giving away half of the running back catches to two other backs, then, then he's not going to project for 50 catches. And yeah. And again, like I, it's the same exact thing. I've chopped them up just a little bit and they've got, They've got way too many mouths to feed. It's a lot different than than what we saw. I think the reason people want to take him in the third is that upside that we saw in 2018. But that was him and Jalen Samuels as a rookie coming out of college where he was an H-back. Naheem Hines was NC State's lead back. He was there like H-back. He had more career catches than rush attempts. Jalen Samuels, that is. He was never really going to challenge for an, an, a, a heavy early down roll. Now we have we have couple years of Jalen Samuels having a role in this offense and catching passes and being used on passing downs and being pretty good at it. We also have Benny Snell on the team now who got pretty solid rushing work last year. And we have Anthony McFarlane, another new addition. It's a way different scenario behind Connor than it was when he took over for Le'Veon Bell's holdout two years ago. Yeah, but last year, until Connor got injured, he really was dominating the carries and the catches. I mean, there was... This stat, like while he was healthy before his first injury, he had 19 catches and Samuels had 13. That does seem like a pretty even split. But eight of those catches for Samuels came in one game. For the most part, he really didn't get catches. He had like 12 catches one game against the Colts, and Connor missed that game. So they talked about it last offseason. They're going to share the carries and split the workload, and they really didn't. I mean, it was it was Connor's backfield. I, I do think Connor still has first-round upside. You do? I, just don't, I don't know for sure that that's the way they're going to behave. Are you more or less confident in this offense than you were a year ago? Or the same? Less? Less, less obviously. Less. Well, don't I, I don't even know if the quarterback's elbow is going to hold okay. up. And we know if it doesn't, they're screwed. Okay, but that's that's a huge if. But that's the only if, right? I mean, their offense should be better with Deontay Johnson since people have such high hopes for him. <laughs> if you say the skill position talent only, yeah. I'll say I'm more, I'm that's more what excited I'm, about this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am so like, I just don't get it on the Deontay Johnson thing at all. 
<laughs> and I've like I'll admit that I'm a coward because I think at the beginning when I started doing my projections, I kind of had Deontay Johnson and James Washington in like a split, pretty much even because that's kind of what they were last year. Um, Washington was actually more productive, and then with Claypool being added, with Ebron being added. I feel like any of those guys could be number two on the team in targets and it wouldn't be that. I don't know why, why I mean, I know why, but I don't feel confident that Johnson should be viewed as clearly as the number two to Juju as he is. All right, let's go on to the Cleveland Browns. Eight and a half wins for the Cleveland Browns. I, that's, that's an easy under for me. Under. Yeah. Over. What? Come on, Over. Ben. Freddie kitchens is gone. Adam. Yeah. Freddie kitchens is gone. And I actually, as much as you want to make a mockery of that, I think that is a significant <laughs> thing. And I think, I mean, look, this team was very talented. I think the hype was warranted last year, and I think Kitchens just derailed them. I think this is going to be one of the surprise teams of this year, and maybe it won't surprise many people, but post-hype teams, whatever. So you're taking the Browns to win more games than the Steelers? Yeah. ADP review, Baker Mayfield, QB 15, going in between Daniel Jones and Ben Roethlisberger. Would you guys rather have Baker Mayfield or Ben Roethlisberger? Ben. Yeah. Yep. Nick Chubb, 15th pick overall, RB 11, between Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. Would you rather have Nick Chubb or Austin Eckler? Half PPR. Probably Chubb. It's funny. Both me and Heath have Chubb in our top 10 in PPR. In projections, um, I I would rather have Eckler, and I need to look now because we just did a PPR draft and a half PPR draft. I think I drafted Eckler in the PPR version, and Ben drafted um, Eckler in the half PPR. Right? I did, and I took him before Chubb. You're right, but I I f- I'm, I have not looked at my projections enough, and I it, there is <laughs> reason to like Chubb. I'm no, telling you, I just definitely. did my projections. Like, I just did Cleveland yesterday yeah, I don't know. Morning. I just don't know if I can take anything you say seriously now, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I like Eckler. I have a one spot ahead of Chubb, when, and that's in my PPR ranks, and that's where he was. When you say half PPR, and contrary to what I just did today, I, I'm going to say <laughs> Chubb now, now that I see how high I am on in a projection. I'm lower than you. He, you've got him 230 more rushing yards than I do. I, I love Chubb. <laughs> you guys do well. What jumped out to me about your projection was that you're not give you you got 302 carries for Nick Chubb Heath and Ben Yevon for 275 and Kareem Hunt 99 carries for Heath and, and 87 for Ben. So you do not the way I see this projections do not see Kareem Hunt as a big threat to Nick Chubb. No, but my projections do see Kareem Hunt as a big asset in PPR. I just think he's going to play out of the slot a lot. They've talked about that. And I he's good enough as a change of pace back. It's a lot easier to be hyper-efficient when you're getting seven or eight carries per game than it is when you're getting 20, obviously. And I think he could just have some absolutely explosive games and do a ton in the passing game. So I yep. think obviously when when you look at this team, Ben, you actually have Baker Mayfield projected for um, uh, twenty three more pass attempts than uh, than Heath does. Um, so, but but that that being said, where do they rank in terms of pass volume? Like, does this do you see this being a very run heavy offense? Yeah, I have um about a percentage and a half, a percentage point and a half percentage point one one and a half percentage points towards the run um i had them a little bit faster pace than league averaged they they i don't believe they were last year and i think that's why Heath's numbers are a little bit down but well, my yeah, expect- I I, yeah at least fancy was either yeah i don't think he was either i think stefanski's um basically i think stefanski was influenced more by zimmer Stefanski has talked a lot about you know analytics and all these things tempo is a very popular uh subject right now um, and I expect that that uh, Cleveland can play a little faster in part also because of, of the fact that they played a little bit better and a little bit faster in 2018 um, under Baker Mayfield. Like they were still successful. I think Mayfield, you know, when he was in college, he played at a, at a quicker pace. I think if this team is good, like I'm hoping they'll run more plays in, in that sense as well. So um, or I'm, I'm projecting, I should say, not, not hoping. 
So those are kind of the reasons why I wind up with a a little bit of an improved pace from either Stefanski's or the Browns' recent history. In terms of Odell Beckham, you guys have him as wide receiver 17 and 18, Jarvis Landry wide receiver 28 and 29, Um, Austin Hooper tight end 12 for Heath, tight end 15 for Ben. But if we look at Beckham, targets are about the same as they were last year in terms of your projections, 132-ish. Four more catches, about 60 more yards, four more touchdowns, because he only caught four last year. You're projecting him for eight touchdowns, both of you. But um, with the Giants, other than his rookie year, when he had 131 targets in 12 games, and he turned that into 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns, a pace he could never sustain. He had 159, then 169 targets, and then uh, then only 124, and that was in 12 games, and he you know was disappointing. Season long, but was good per game. Anyway, is there any way, like, how can you be an elite receiver with 133 targets? Can you? And I guess, actually, now that I think about it, it's pretty, not too far from what you projected Juju for, but I feel like you guys are a lot higher on Juju than you are on Beckham. A lot, yeah, there's a like, lot there in that question. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, for me, part of it is the, the <laughs> Stefan Diggs role that we've talked about in the Stefanski offense. We've talked about they're, they're going to shift towards two tight end sets. Um, and whether that's in David Njoku or he gets traded and it's rookie Harrison Bryant, they're probably going to have two tight ends get a decent number of targets, uh, just like the, the Vikings did last year with Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. Jarvis Landry is going to get plenty of work himself, and you know that the running backs are going to get plenty of targets, particularly Kareem Hunt. And so you, it, it makes a lot of sense, I think, to limit Odell Beckham's targets in a projection. Now, maybe that's wrong. Maybe Odell Beckham has just been banged up the last couple of years, and we'll, we'll see that you know we – we're missing this obvious uh, post, you know, lull comeback to his, his previous successes. But even as I'm optimistic about the Browns, I, I have a hard time seeing Beckham being 150 target receiver, particularly in this offense and in that role where Diggs didn't even get 100 targets last year in that role. And Diggs is super talented. I've got them separated by eight spots in my rankings, I think. They're separated by nine fantasy points on the season. So I'm not really that much different on Beckham and Juju. It's just that that it's that crowded at that point at wide receiver. Mm. Okay. Last team to cover here in the division is the Cincinnati Bengals. First pick in the draft, Joe Burrow. Five and a half wins for the Bengals. Over. Under. <laughs> okay. Since the start... Oh, here's your, uh, your stat. 6.9. Since the start of 2018, Tyler Boyd averaged a touchdown every 9.8 reception, every 9.8 catches in eight games with AJ Green, and every 16.7 catches in 22 games without AJ Green. That is a difference of 6.9 catches. So, a lot more touchdowns when AJ Green was on the field than when he was off the field for Tyler Boyd. That's a really obscure way to make 6.9 the number. <laughs> I didn't nice. do it. I did not. Do- it wasn't me. Joe Burrow is uh, QB 18 in between golf and Tannehill in ADP. Joe Mixon is the eighth overall pick, the seventh running back off the board. Derrick Henry and Miles Sanders around him. AJ Green and Tyler Boyd are both round seven picks. They are wide receivers 29 and 31, respectively. It goes AJ Green, Michael Gallup, Tyler Boyd, Debo Samuel. All right. How do you guys project those two wide receivers as they are going almost back-to-back in ADP right now. Uh, Heath, should they be? I don't think they should. Um, I don't feel very comfortable with the Bengals as a whole. Um, Rookie quarterback, super weird offseason, superstar wide receiver that hasn't played in two years. Like, I don't know why I don't feel comfortable with them. (laughs) Everything's right there. I have them projected for a similar number of targets, but green for more yards and more touchdowns. I don't really think like there's, there's a reason to hope that AJ green's fully rested after a year off. He's energized with a new young quarterback and he's a top 15 wide receiver. Like Tyler Boyd might be a top 15 wide receiver over 16 games, but he won't actually be a top 15 wide receiver. What does that mean? It means that if, if you, as you would often say, if you finish somewhere because you played 16 games, like he won't ever be a top 15 guy on a per game basis. I oh, got you. Because he was wide receiver 17 last year. Right. But... No, two years ago. On oh, no, the last season. Was he? 
He was wide receiver 26 on a per game basis, but was wide receiver 17 in PPR. Oh yeah, in P- yeah, in PPR. And but actually, I think we're both right because I think in 2018, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was wide he receiver, was wide receiver 17. He was better. I'd have been 17, but sure. Um, he caught 90 passes last year, Tyler Boyd. So, yeah, how come you guys? Ha- He's so interesting to me. He's somebody I never know. I don't feel comfortable drafting him, Tyler Boyd. Uh, Tyler Boyd's one of those guys that I was uh, really high on coming out of college because he had a, pr- a phenomenal prospect profile at Pitt, was a young producer, and then he was bad for two years. And I kind of gave up. And then he was good again. <laughs> and, and he's been good ever since. So I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm willing to believe that it just took him a little bit of time to adjust to the NFL level. But this guy's a good football player. Like he's going to, he, he's Jarvis Landry. He's, you know, he's always going to be underrated, I think because he's not flashy, but he's going to put up numbers his whole career. I believe that. Your projections have Joe Burrow like approaching the rookie record for passing yards. He'd be like one of the best ever. You have him for more than 4,200 passing yards, only 26 touchdowns, plus another 200-plus rushing yards and two more touchdowns, right around QB 20. But what do you think about that? It's an aggressive projection of 4,200 yards plus uh, passing for Joe Burrow. I, it's really weird that we have him at 42 and I got over 4,000 passing yards as a rookie, which almost no one does. And he still doesn't crack the top 15 fantasy quarterbacks um, because he's probably if history is any indicator. It doesn't have to be. He could be the greatest rookie quarterback ever. If history is any indicator, he's probably going to have a high interception rate and a low touchdown rate. And that hurts in fantasy. But no one has ever done what he did in college and very, very few number one picks have stepped into this type of skill position talent. And I would say venture to say almost none. I I can't think of any that had a guy like AJ green returning and a guy like Tyler Boyd. And I still think John Ross is good. Um, Andrew Luck, Reggie Wayne and a rookie T Y Hilton. No, not as good. Not as good. Cause Hilton was a rookie. I think otherwise I would say, I mean, and Andrew Andrew Luck Luck. set the record. Andrew Luck set the record with like plus 4,300 passing yard, like 4,350 or something. But you're right. That's a great situation. Good, good call. Good poll. But yeah, I think I still probably take the Bengals over that. Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson. I don't remember the rest of his team. Probably not very good. Uh, but the Bengals do have a lot of talent. Do you feel how comfortable do you feel with your AJ Green projection? You both have him for 75 ish catches, 1,060 ish yards, six, seven touchdowns, wide receiver 21 for Heath, wide receiver 26 for Ben. Not comfortable at all. If he's like, I'm projecting everybody for 16 games. So I'm just assuming no injuries. If he doesn't get hurt all year, I feel fine about it. Does this mean anything to you? Since 2009, there have been eight quarterbacks selected. Number one, only Steve Smith, number one overall, only Steve Smith had more than five touchdown catches from in, in that quarterback's rookie season uh, among number one wide receivers. Also T Y Hilton did it, but he was the number two receiver. But as I pointed as I've pointed out before, rookie quarterbacks don't throw a lot of touchdowns. It's kind of a weird thing. Now, having said that, Baker Mayfield set the record two years ago, and Daniel Jones was on pace for like thirty touchdowns or something like that, which would have set which would have set a new record. So maybe things are changing. And another thing I would note that's interesting about uh, Burrow and this offense—they were surprisingly fast-paced last year. I kind of slowed him down. Heath still has him uh, quite a bit above above league average in terms of play volume. That's helpful, you know? It's always helpful. Okay. Well, just want to throw that little quarterback stat out there. You all can sit sit there and think it over at home. We got the <laughs> NFC North when we come back. The Vikings, are they going to win nine games? And can Adam Thielen really get like 120-plus targets? We'll tell you when we come back on Fantasy Football today. Let's go to the Minnesota Vikings as we get to our NFC North projections here. Kirk Cousins is QB 22. Dalvin Cook is the sixth pick, the fifth running back off the board. Adam Thielen is a round four pick. He is wide receiver 15. Justin Jefferson is wide receiver 49, and the tight ends are outside the top 20. And the number to know is, Heath, it's 466. Do you know what that is? That is the number of pass attempts for the Vikings, which I believe was the third lowest total in the NFL last year. You are correct, sir. All right. And you guys have them for more than 500 pass attempts. So that's good. I, I struggled with their volume. I mean, there there's some good research that's shown that their, their run heaviness last year was in, in large part dictated from playing 
dictated by playing from ahead at a very high rate. Um, but, and, and I, you know, you, you just always kind of expect that will regress a little bit. I don't think Minnesota, it would surprise anyone to think that they won't maybe be quite as good as last year, but maybe they will. Um, but I still have them very run. Okay. So <coughs> I, I think Adam Thielen is the guy. Is that you, Ben? You okay? Yeah. Sorry. All right, good. All right. Just let us know. I just got something in my throat. It's not, you know, uh, it's nothing to worry about. How come I'm the only one drinking water? Like, you guys never drink water. water. Uh, I have water right here. Did well, you, you just never... pause the show so you could go get water? No. Is that what just happened? No, I paused the show because my kids are freaking out. Uh. But <laughs> let my wife deal with that. Uh, <laughs> I want to know about Adam Thielen because you're telling me, I-, I was worried that the targets that in your projections would be like 110. But Heath, you got him for 132 and Ben for 126. Heath, you have Thielen, wide receiver 13. Ben, wide receiver 19. And again, I don't think the difference between wide receiver 13 and 19 is probably all that much. Um, Even though they don't throw very much, I would assume it's going to be pretty concentrated. And I expect Thielen to be a little bit less efficient, but I think... I don't have anybody else on the team getting 90 targets. So I, I expect him to kind of dominate target share. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I that. have uh, Justin Jefferson at 81 targets. I have their tight ends in the fifties, both. And no one, you know, Dalvin cook's going to get 70. I mean, that's, that's what it, it actually feels like a pretty easy projection. I have them pretty concentrated. Um, you know, we know they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. We know that they're going to throw to both those tight ends. And then it's, okay, it's Thielen and Jefferson. There's probably not going to be a ton of BC Johnson this year. They don't really have any other receivers. Uh, and Dalvin Cook's going to get a bunch of targets. So, well, yeah, okay, let me, let me tell you why, let me tell you why, why bring this up, right? Do you think they will be one of, do you think they will be bottom five in pass attempts? Close. I think I have them projected. Like, I don't. I wish I had. A, and Ben could probably do this really quick. But then every time I change it, I'd have to tell him and he'd have to change the numbers again. Um, I I think I have. I'd like to have a list of like all the teams and how I have them projected in pass attempts. But I'm pretty certain I have them bottom five. I think the Titans are like right at 500. I'm not sure anybody at Ravens are under 500. But other than that, they may be the third worst again. Okay, so I looked at the five teams that finished bottom five in pass attempts each of the last two years. I took their target leader and gave them a 16-game pace. These were the targets for the, for the 10 teams, five each year. 105, 84, 100, 122, 106, 90, 112, 84, 112, and 102. So not one team had a player reach the target marks that you guys set for Adam Thielen. The closest was Kittle, who had 122 targets, or was actually on pace for 122 targets, based on his 14 game pace, uh, 14 games. So that's oh, that's what scared me a little bit off the of feeling when I saw that. That's a quirk of projections. We we both have them over 500, and I can tell you that each of the past several seasons, I think it's exactly five teams have been sub 500 pass attempts. I know it's a, it, it's for sure an average of five teams. I think it's been exactly five every year over the last like. Four or five. I think it's since 2014 when when passing uh, efficiency kind of started ticking up. There was enforcement of new rules, yada yada yada. Uh, not new rules, but the defensive holding and illegal contact increased enforcement. It, it kind of changed. That, that's kind of like the bridge to the modern modern NFL was 2014 offseason. And since then, we've seen that many teams below 500 per year. Five. We're both projecting this team over 500 targets, but as our third lowest projection because you don't project teams way away from the median you're kind of moving everyone back toward the median and a lot of the a lot of the teams you just quoted are probably teams that we would have projected higher but something went wrong like the Steelers last year Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt all of a sudden they lose 170 targets right or 170 pass attempts that completely changes the way that their offense works so we're projecting a, a healthy Minnesota team to probably not be bottom five even though we we're projecting them in our bottom five because there will be some teams that everything goes wrong for them and they wind up you know doing what Washington did last year, just running their season out. It's kind of a, I don't know. We don't know who that's going to happen to, but it's going to happen to some teams. Okay, fair enough. And, uh, uh, you know, honestly, is that it for Minnesota? They're kind of vanilla. Yeah, I don't think there's much to talk about with Dalvin Cook. I do wonder, 
like with what they've seen over the last three years, if Alexander Madison gets a little bit, bit bigger piece of the pie in the running game than what I've given him, I don't like it. If Minnesota thinks they're a playoff team, they don't have much reason to think they can give Dalvin Cook 20 touches a game and have him available in the playoffs. Okay, and you guys have Madison projected for what 100, 117 carries for for Heath and 97 for Ben. One thing that's notable, I have uh, Irv Smith over Kyle Rudolph. He was playing more snaps down the stretch last year. He's a really good prospect. They're going to use two tight end sets. He might be the guy that winds up kind of filling this Stephon Diggs role if Justin Jefferson's not ready. I mean, there's some chance for Irv Smith to be the sleeper tight end this year. Let's go to the Green Bay Packers, guys. And you guys have Aaron Rodgers. It's QB 10 for Heath and QB 15 for Ben. Um, and uh, that might be a scoring system thing since the projections are, are not too far off. But anyway, well, first of all, nine wins for the Packers. Over, under. Over. Um, they're going to get exactly nine. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna win so much money nailing all these. I love it. exactly. Okay, uh, do we have a number to know for this? I think five and a half is what we have here in the notes. Aaron Jones caught five and a half passes per game without Devonte Adams, and two point two five passes per game with Devonte Adams. We talked about that a lot. I, yeah, um, I think another number to know would be like 4.4 because I believe that's Aaron Rodgers touchdown rate over the past two seasons combined. And he is the NFL's all time leading leader in touchdown rate. He may be the only quarterback besides Russell Wilson at 6% or better. And a lot of that coincides with Aaron Jones scoring all these touchdowns. And I think it's really interesting whether or not like, will Rodgers go back to being a higher touchdown guy or can Aaron Jones lose 50 touches, not get as many catches, but still be a top 15 running back because he scores 12 touchdowns again. Well, you do have him top 15. You have Aaron Jones 14th, and Ben has him 11th with right around 200 carries and 45 catches. So pretty similar projections for you guys. Ben with uh, maybe two more touchdowns than Heath. Um, A.J. Dillon getting over 100 carries. And then you, this was one of the wide receivers that you all projected for a ton of targets. Devontae Adams, 170 targets for Heath, 164 for Ben. Let's talk about Alan Lazard. Heath, you have him as wide receiver 37, and Ben is wide receiver 57. 25 Ooh. targets separating you two. Ben, I'll give you the first word on Alan Lazard, the low guy on Lazard. I think Heath wants the first word. Heath, well, Heath already had the first word. He went, woo. So I'll give yeah. you, I'll also give you the second word. Go what ahead. was the woo? That's what I want to know. <laughs> That's a big difference. Oh, yeah. I I mean I I like Alan Lazard. <laughs> I um clearly don't have him projected for quite the target share that Heat does. Uh, and I kind of am trying to figure out why as we're as I'm talking. Well, that's because what I was wondering who they going to. Yeah, well, he, my, uh, and, and Ben actually so has I, more pass attempts for the Packers, 19 more pass attempts. And he couldn't find enough pass attempts for Jay Sternberger. So I'm like, who is catching all these passes for the Packers? Yeah, I have um, I have Devin Funches getting 57 and, and Marquez Veltis-Scantling getting 34 targets. So, you know, an, a 90-target third receiver, if you combine those two together. I and I, I couldn't find enough for Sternberger because both Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tanyan played ahead of him last year. And I projected that duo for the same amount of targets as Sternberger. Mm. I still have Sternberger as the number one, but I think that they're going to use multiple tight ends, essentially. They, they were using both those guys behind Jimmy Graham last year. And so uh, I still have plenty of tight end targets is the point, but I just didn't give Sternberger a big target share. I found okay. it. I found it. It's, um, you have Ben has A.J. Dillon getting twice as many catches as Heath does. Well, I have now you have him for four, and uh, Ben has him for eight. So again, we're talking about Alan Lazard here, who's wide receiver fifty-seven for Ben and wide receiver thirty-seven for Heath. I thought it was just that you liked Lazard. You just thought this was going to be a really run-heavy offense, Ben. Yeah. That's that was your concern. That's, well, I do. I think Heath and I both have it that way, um, and, and I'm just a little bit more toward the pass than Heath. Uh, but the the big issue is yes, Devontae Adams is going to get so many uh, targets. Um, I, I do have the Packers projected wins being 
the, their projected wins are are lower than their wins last year. So that's why I shifted them a little bit towards the pass because I, I think that game script might dictate a little bit more passing. Um, but they're still not going to be like super pass heavy. And then Dante Adams is just going to get a million targets. So I'm on the clock again in the Scott Fishbowl during another <laughs> podcast. I think I am too. Um, it's my round Close. four pick. And one of the quarterbacks we've talked about is available still, Ben Roethlisberger. Wow. Have you had a QB heavy draft? You're oh. all the way to Roethlisberger? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's why I keep, ta- that's why I got Tyree Kill at 3.6. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo's there. He was good in this format last year. Yeah. Love Josh his completion Al- percentage. 69% completion percentage last year. This is a good format for him. But he only throws like six passes a game, so that that hurts. Um, Josh Allen's still there as well, which is a terrible format for him, but he's never available when these guys are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, why don't you guys just make my pick for me? What are you choosing between here? Roethlisberger. You got to get a QB. You haven't taken one yet, right? I have zero quarterbacks. In a um, super, flex. super flex where it really drops off. You can get negative QB points if you don't have a decent quarterback. Um, Goff's still there. Baker, Burrow. In this Go- format, I have Roethlisberger QB 13. One spot behind Cam Newton. And, Cam Newton is still there. And five spots ahead of Josh Allen. And also ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what? <sighs> Cam Newton, if he starts, could well, be a pretty thing, sweet fourth-round pick. I think Cam Newton playing for the Patriots is probably – and Adam's going to just throw his hat at this comment maybe. I think he's probably a plus in terms of completion percentage in this offense. Mm. Close. I got him at sixty five point two percent. That's not like a huge minus. He was he'll six, run, yeah. He'll run for first downs. So the the issue with, with Josh Allen will run for first downs, but his completion percentage is so bad that he loses all those gains. Newton shouldn't lose those gains that he'll get from his legs. So, so I still need you guys to teach me how to do how to use this website <laughs> because like I thought that I had a draft list. I pre drafted, you know, I was all ready to go, and it all disappeared. So, so what round are you in? Still round two. I'm actually three picks away. I thought it was up, but I'm three oh, okay. picks away. Um, you got to re. I got Patrick yeah. Mahomes in round one, and like my number one player at this point would be Kyler Murray. But I don't want to take two quarterbacks with my first two picks here in a super flex league. So I'm probably going to take Josh Jacobs or Julio Jones or something like that. But um, let's I go back. I took two at the two QBs at the two three turn. Okay, well. That's different. I just want to make sure I get... Oh, yeah, I'm also thinking about Zach Ertz because it's one and a half point per reception for tight ends. Okay, so what what team are we on? We just did the Packers. Let's go to... the Lions and the Bears to do, I think. Yeah, like... What we, we did not talk about... Um, no, we talked about all the Packers. Never mind. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the Chicago Bears. Hmm. Who, are you, who are you projecting a quarterback? Nick Foles. He... I've been trying to tell Heath... It's going to be Nick Foles. I'm trying to tell him, but he's, he's stubborn. I, he almost convinced me at one point like a month ago, and then the report came out that Trubisky was in Chicago throwing with all the wide receivers, and Foles was still not in town. Um, so I, I think, like, I just... That? Really? <laughs> that, well, all along, I am of the opinion that Mitchell Trubisky still has a lot more upside than Nick Foles. And we have not seen, we've seen Trubisky be really awful. Um, Nick Foles wasn't good last year. I don't think the Bears want upside. I think they want stability. And they have Nagy, who uh, coached with the Eagles when Foles was there. And they have, um, who's their OC? Bill Bill Lazor, who was also there at the same time. And then they brought in John DiFilippo, who, of course, was the quarterback's coach with the Eagles. Um, This was later after Nagy and, and Laser, but was a quarterback coach with the Eagles when Foles won his championship and then was part of bringing Foles to Jacksonville because he was the OC there last year. And now he's the QB coach with the Bears and they traded for Foles. They overpaid him. They restructured him to give him guaranteed money next season and player opt out. So he they gave Foles a, a decent uh, contract in, in terms of the flexibility it gives Foles. 
And then they declined Trubisky's fifth-year option, so they don't even have him after this year. They just decided they're done with Trubisky. They're not tied to him next year at all. Be kind of an odd thing, like a series of moves to then give uh, Trubisky a chance to potentially earn a big contract. I mean, that's the way I'm looking at it. Okay, well, did it affect your projection of Allen Robinson? You guys have pretty big target numbers for him, 150 targets. Brown Robinson, more than 90 catches. Uh, wide oh, receiver this is funny. Eight. I have more PPR points, yeah, but he's my wide receiver 15, okay. and he's, he's wide receiver 8, because I just love to project good wide receivers for, like, huge, huge numbers. I did think that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so, right, Ben has a, a higher projection for more fantasy points for Robinson, yet he's wide receiver 8 for Heath and wide receiver 15 for Ben. Um, all right, that's aggressive, though. Wide receiver 8, well, I mean, it's aggressive for both of you to be so high on Allen Robinson. So I have him 10 spots behind my wide receiver, or t- 10 total points for the season behind my wide receiver eight spot, actually. So um, it's probably similar for Heath where he's wide receiver eight, but a lot of the guys right behind him are not far behind him in points. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think what Robinson did last year dominated targets in this offense. I think if it is Nick Foles, arguably will be uh, the best quarterback he's ever played with. And I agree with Heath, like he's not good, but, um, another reason I think that they'll start him is that, you know, the the Ravens started Joe Flacco for way too long because he won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Like that does matter um, to 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 decision makers within the NFL, I would say. And I think um, standing in the pocket, not scrambling, and, and he's going to probably throw more because of that. It's all like pretty positive for Robinson in terms of volume and in terms of potentially being the, the most accurate quarterback he's played with. Anyone else you're excited about in this office? The, the number to know for this team was about Tariq Cohen, 105. He ran 105 routes out of the slot, Tariq Cohen, in 2019 per uh, Pro Football Focus. He lined up there 143 times. That was 42 more slot routes than any other running back in the league. Um, and he had 64 more snaps where he lined up out wide. So uh, Tariq Cohen in the projections. Let's see what we got here. RB 23 for Heath and 21 for Ben. And that's, you know, he's a great PPR back. option this year. I mean, especially when you look, get into the projection, you see that Taylor Gabriel's not on the team anymore. They replaced him with Ted Ginn. Ginn's going to get deep shots that the Gabriel was maybe getting, but they use Gabriel a lot on gadget plays, split out bubble screens. That stat you just gave is really positive for Tariq Cohen, even though he wasn't efficient as Heath has noted, but I think it's positive for Cohen to continue to see a lot of targets. And David Montgomery, 260th carries. You're both like 255 for Ben, 265 for Heath. That's a ton of carries, and he's not even a top 20 running back for you guys. 24th for Heath and 25th for Ben. So yeah, I think he has more he, upside um, definitely than that. It's just how much of that efficiency from last year that we've talked about is going to bounce back. I, I feel pretty confident that some of it will. That carry total is really not that much different than what pace he was on after they got rid of Mike Davis finally. So I I feel pretty confident that 250, 260, it'd be nice if he could catch 30 passes too. It's just going to come down to how many touchdowns he gets and how much the efficiency bounces back. I wouldn't be all that surprised if he averages like 4.3 yards per carry this year though and ends up having a 1,300-yard season in total yards. Yeah, what's the difference between David Montgomery and, and Sony Michelle? More ca- more catches. Michelle's probably... Well, he's been like I a 10 catch. I feel guy. more confident in um, Montgomery's role. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I'm making the case there is a big difference, but I think when you, when you think about it, you know, it's an interesting comparison. Maybe and Montgomery not. Maybe will catch one. maybe 20 passes. Michelle might not catch 10. I right. mean, there's a little bit of a difference there. It doesn't sound like a huge one, but there is. And there's Rex Burkhead and yeah. Damian Harris and Cam Newton, for that matter. All right, our last team is the Detroit Lions. This will be a fun one. Oh, Win don't total. drop Jimmy Graham to wrap up the Bears. <laughs> six and a half. <laughs> uh, Bears monitoring. Uh, six and a half wins for Detroit. Over, under. I'm going to go over. No, this is my favorite under of the show, Ben. Come on. You think they're going to be that bad? They got a good offensive line now. Do they? I think they have a bad offensive line. Don't they have uh, Glass now? And no. Then the other one? I don't think they do. I thought he left. Uh. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll double check. Um, I thought they lost like two of their best offensive. Right now? Do they lose both those guys? They have Reg now still. They don't have. 
Glasgow or Glasnow. Glasgow. Okay. Yeah, he's on the Broncos. Is that right? Uh, Graham Glasgow. Yes, I, he's I was on the Broncos. He was on like... the Lions. Yeah, I can understand. Their names are fairly similar. So uh, I have no faith in Matt Patricia, but I think uh, Ben has a lot of faith in Matthew Stafford. He takes them all the time. So we look at this projection here. He both You both have him projected right around QB 12. 12 for Ben, 13 for Heath. And um, what do you want to say about the projections for the Detroit Lions? What stands out? Uh, guessing on what at what point DeAndre Swift takes over the backfield and what the touch split is between those two. Yeah, mm-hmm. we looks like we both went with a similar kind of distribution. You have twenty more touches for Swift. Uh, it looks like you have more receptions for Carry On, which is interesting. I have Swift being a lot more used on the on the passing downs. It's I hard have, for it's hard for rookie running backs to get on the field on passing downs. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Um, I have about 15 more carries for Swift. So we're, we have a similar distribution, but I agree with Heath that I, I don't feel comfortable. I, I projected Bo Scarborough to get like 67 t- carries, which isn't a lot, but it would be a third running back stealing some of the work in um, in kind of Matt Patricia slash Bill Belichick fashion is kind of the way I'm thinking about it. He was fairly efficient late last year as for them once every other back on the lines got hurt. Um I'm projecting a pretty big gap between Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, which I don't think uh, Heath is or, or many of you guys, because I know there's been some question of me not being so high on Marvin Jones. They were very close in, in target rate last year, but Galladay was higher the year before, more targets the year before in only 15 games. He's also entering his prime. Marvin Jones is a 30-year-old exiting his prime who's never hit 110 targets in his career. So like he's projecting 113. It's a similar to his rate last year but it would be a career high. I think I'm projecting a career high at 108 as well in, a, in his age 30 year exiting his prime. Like I said, I think this gap actually is going to spread even though they were similar last year. And I think um, you don't want to tether too much to, to that. And, and Heath may disagree. And then the, the other big one I want to note is I think TJ Hawkinson is the guy that might actually steer, steal some of Marvin Jones thunder. Uh, wasn't very good last year, but very good prospect profile, high draft pick. Um, they obviously didn't have very good quarterback play late last year. It would not surprise me if he had a big year too. I see the targets for Kenny Galladay, 125 for Heath and 131 for Ben. He had 116 last year and with Matthew Stafford, he was on pace for 124 targets. What, what I, I, would sh- just, I just want to say like the target thing is something that Ben would get mad at you for doing. I think in terms oh. of the way that he represented Marvin Jones targets, Never, it is 100% true that he has not ever had 110 targets in a season. You're the one that gets mad at Azer for projecting out things. I don't even, he can do that all he wants. Um, You love to say what I'm going to say, and they're not even things that I would say. Okay, what I get mad at Azer for doing, yeah, yeah, take responsibility. Um, He was on pace for 110 his first year in Detroit, he had 107 his second year in Detroit. He was on pace for 110 his third year in Detroit and like 115 last year in Detroit. Like his 16 game pace is pretty and you're strongly. I've got about 113 maybe. Yeah, so you're right around uh, you're saying it's been consistently in that range? It's yes, been, it's every been, year it's been right yeah. around 110. 108 sure. to 112 for Yeah, I'm not years. saying you're projecting some massive career year. My point was Marvin Jones and I've said this before on the pod is a secondary player. This guy has never been an elite target getter. You can go back to college when Keenan Allen came in 2 years behind him and immediately outproduced him or produced about the same as him as a true freshman and then in Marvin Jones senior year completely stole the show and outproduced him. That matters and then it matters that he went to the NFL and was a third third receiver for most of his career. And then he came to the Lions. He's been efficient at times, but this guy is not somebody that teams have ever at any point in his career leaned on. And I don't buy that just because last year their target rates were similar, that he's anything like Kenny Galladay, who was a dominant producer in college, higher draft pick than expected, really good profile or good combine as well, good athleticism, was uh, very productive as a rookie before his hamstring, scored two touchdowns in his first career game, then had a hamstring injury, very productive in year two with a better target rate than last year. Galladay entering his prime, like I said, I think that's a guy that you go all the way back to college and, and that's a, a legitimate number one. Jones to me is not. That's just a bigger picture view in my mind. But doesn't everybody uh, I don't feel disagree that way, necessarily though? with your specific target number. But doesn't everybody feel that way that Kenny Galladay is a legit number one and, and Marvin Jones isn't? I think I've been hearing uh, from, maybe not from Heath, but maybe from Jamie or from Dave that like Galladay and Jones should be a lot closer in ADP. And I think that gap is pretty significant. 
Last year, I, Marvin Jones I had didn't a, necessarily say an ADP. I've just referenced the fact that they've generally been pretty close in targets. Galladay's okay. number one, but it's it's more of a one A and one B than most teams. Marvin Jones had a ma- massive jump in catch rate last year, sixty eight percent, and he, the previous three seasons he had been about fifty six percent. Did his depth of target go down last year? No, he just caught more deep balls. It's just like a spike in efficiency. Hmm. Look at I me. don't think it's look at me with the advanced right. stats. Who am I? All right, so we got to go. Uh, I got to figure out how to deal with the pre-draft stuff. I have a big issue here. Like I have all these guys on my pre-draft list and I rank them, but when but like when my time comes to pick, maybe I want to change the order. So how do I make sure it doesn't just auto pick for me? It will auto pick for you. Well, That's I got to clear it. I got to clear the depth it. Depth of target did fall last year. I want to throw that out there, but it was still well above average. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. This has been the North edition of the projections tomorrow. I'm assuming the South. South? Yeah, of course. Yeah, South. South. West. (laughs) West. Ridiculous. We saved them for last. Ben, Heath, and Adam. Be back tomorrow on Projections Week.